342. I've done a few of these, ain't I? All right. You know, a lesson we can all learn. Let, let, let me share life lessons with you. I have, you know, stumbled where you don't have to. Let's say you're not feeling great. Life's getting you down. You're, you have a sad. And you think, I have a sad, maybe I'll just relax to some video games, right? Just veg, veg out on the couch and play a video game. Maybe one that's fun and lighthearted and brings a smile to your face. Games from Yoko Taro? Not great choices in that situation. Oh, they're great games, don't get me wrong. But yeah, if, if you're looking for a lighthearted adventure to pick you up when you has a sad, Yoko Taro, probably not your guy. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Chicago says, I think I was making fun of the Chicago name. He says, I think you've done that Chicago joke a few times. It's okay. My kind of town, too. Ah, uh, good, Colin. Okay, so uh, just in case anyone's wondering, I, I, I just downloaded the um, third of the Voice of Cards games, um, which are uh, interestingly presented kind of mini RPGs. They're only 15 to maybe 20 hours or so. And they are very... I find them engaging, I find them charming, I find their unique presentation interesting. But yeah, they 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 wear their Yoko Taro-ness right on their sleeves. You get to a point where you figure out what's really happening and you're like, "Oh. Oh, now I feel worse. That's just depressing." <laughs> so, um yeah, maybe Yoko Taro, great Great, uh, great game designer and storyteller, but uh, for specific moods only, methinks. But what I really want to talk about is um, very briefly touch on something that uh, happened in Ahsoka Episode 3. Lindy, hello! Speaking of... I well, don't know why. Well, I know why I'm drawing this correlation, but uh, Lindy reminds me. Lindy's presence reminds me that uh, I recorded, I read, and recorded nine Gem and the Holograms comic issue reviews today. That's pretty much what I did all afternoon. Spent about five hours just uh, reading an issue, sitting in front of a camera, and recording my uh, my reaction, my impressions, my review. Um, which was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm enjoying the comic series. I'm doing a series on YouTube. Much like the, the uh, Gem cartoon reviews I did a couple of years ago, I'm reviewing each issue of the IDW comic series. Having a good time. Um, the only drawback is uh, now I've got about 20 hours of editing ahead of me. Because <laughs> I've got the footage shot. 
Now I have to uh, edit all that into videos and upload them to YouTube. Um, which means it's uh, probably going to be a couple of weeks before I start in on the next arc of, uh, of stories. So There's a fine line between uh, you know, a casual read and doing it for work, right? Um, were I just reading these things casually, I probably would have finished the entire run a couple of weeks ago, but since I'm doing a video series, it's, uh, it can be slow going because, you know, you have to, you have to stop it. You have to, you read an issue and you go turn on the camera and set up the sound and everything and record stuff. And then once you're done recording, you have to edit all of it. So still fun though. Uh, and I know a couple of you are uh, following along uh, in the in the uh, in the comics, so so that's that's pretty fun. Uh, and I appreciate uh, no one so far is going. I'm going to spoil a thing that happens in the comic. Y'all y'all are cool. So thank you for y'all being cool. Um, Ahsoka. Uh, I don't think the show is very good so far, but Andor ended up being like one of the best Star Wars things ever, and I didn't think the first three episodes of that were particularly good, so, you know, holding, it, holding out hope for Ahsoka. But what I wanted to comment on was uh, something that I thought was kind of interesting. One of the... One of the plot points of the show is Ahsoka is uh, training What's-Her-Face... The Mandalorian, um, Sabine, uh, in the arts of being a Jedi. Um, but here's the thing. Sabine has pretty much no force sensitivity. I mean, the force is, you know, surrounds us and penetrates us. It's the life force of all living things. But yeah, it does take some measure of talent, and as we learned in the prequels... Uh, you gotta have a midichlorian count. You gotta have little blood viruses running around to actually manipulate it, apparently. Sabine seems to have come up uh, with the short straw on that one. But, I genuinely... Jedi generally bore the hell out of me now. Jedi are cool. Well, lightsabers are cool. Force powers are cool. The Jedi suck. I hate Jedi, and they bore me, and I don't like them in my Star Wars. <laughs> Maybe that means I don't like Star Wars. It's probably why I like Andor so much. No damn Jedi. Um, but what I do particularly like is the idea that being a Jedi can mean more than just force powers, right? Um, and I, I kind of hope that's the direction this goes. I think that could really expand our understanding of what being a Jedi means and could make that, for me, if no one else, a lot more interesting. What does it mean to be a Jedi if you can't, you know, do like, ha, right? If you can't use shoot lightning from your fingertips or, or you know, move things with your mind. I think that's a fascinating idea. Um, I, were I a betting man, I would put money on the fact that uh, she's going to bust out with the force powers before the end of the show and 
kind of ruined the whole thing for me. It's like, yay, you got your Force powers, now you're a Jedi! And to me, that's just kind of boring. It's like, ah, I really like the idea that you don't have to be Force-sensitive or a Force user to actually be a Jedi. Being a Jedi is more than that. Ain't it? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Cafe Fox says, game suggestion for you, Andrew. Puppeteer on PS3. Sounds familiar. I'm not pulling up a picture of it, uh, a mental image of it. It's an action platformer where all the characters are puppets and the stages are and the stages are performed like a stage play complete with narrator and audience. <laughs> Sabina's a squib, says Chicago. <laughs> Hang on a second. You know, she may not be able to, uh, you know, grab her coffee from across the room, or but, uh, you know, she is a Mandalorian, so she's pretty good at fighting. Uh, let's see. Puppeteer PS3. Okay. Cool. Look into that later. Thank you for the suggestion. That sounds neat. Uh, I always enjoyed things like that. I, I'm a performing artist, so I, I, I kind of have a soft spot for uh, any time some type of presentation or aesthetic takes on a stage, uh, you know, uh, uh, displays stagecraft, right? Uh, I, I love the uh, early Paper Mario games. Um, Super Mario 3 and uh, the Paper Mario games where the, the gimmick is kind of they're putting on a play. Uh, the new Princess Peach game seems to be doing something similar. So I, 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 I generally um, really love that, uh, that, um, that conceit when, when games use it. So appreciate the suggestion. So um. Another thing I'd like to talk about this week is a film called The Black Demon. Um, it's a, it's a giant shark movie. It's a Megalodon movie. It's clearly capitalizing on the fact that Meg 2 came out, which I saw, and I don't think was very good at all, which disappointed the heck out of me, because I did, never bothered to go see The Meg, the first one when it came out five years ago, um, because I was being a pain in the butt, and I was like, it's not rated R, and if my giant shark movie isn't rated R, then it isn't showing me anything that I want to see in a giant shark movie. Harumph! So I uh, ended up watching it a month or two ago in preparation for the sequel coming out, and damned if it wasn't really, really fun. Uh, for the first half of the movie, I was thinking, my golly gosh... Is this the next Tremors? Not quite, sadly. I, I think it drops the ball a bit in Act 3, but um, overall, the Meg, I, I was uh, quite tickled with. Uh, so, uh, it was double featuring with... Barbie? I think I saw it on a double feature with Barbie. A film I wanted to see and was really, really lovely. I really liked Barbie. Uh, and it was double featuring with The Meg 2. So I was like, I don't mind seeing The Meg 2. And then I watched The Meg 2 and I said, I minded seeing The Meg 2 because it really was not very good. Which, kind of sad because, you know, 
giant shark and all. Uh, but anyway, uh, so there's a uh, another movie that you'll find on streaming, uh, Amazon Prime or something, uh, called The Black Demon. And uh, broadly, our heroes are stuck on an oil rig being menaced by a 70-some-odd-foot megalodon. Uh, that's that's the premise. Interesting film. Actually less of an action film or horror film and more of a message movie. Uh, if, if you follow me on Twitter, you, I've, I made this comparison already, but I was struck that this movie is essentially birdemic. It's about as heavy-handed a message movie as Birdemic. It's just, you know, the filmmaking's competent. Uh, if you saw the, the, the trailer, uh, you saw a boat, a speedboat, boating away speedily, and a giant shark coming out from under it and biting the boat in half and flopping back into the water, and boy, it was a bad shot, it was a bad effect, it looked bad, and they should feel bad. Now, granted, that is a really hard shot, even for our most experienced and well-funded effects houses to pull off. You know, water sims, never easy. Um, and that's, that's, that's the, the money shot of the, uh, the trailer, and you're like, oh, that's rough. Uh, surprisingly, that shot in the film, pretty good. A lot better. Uh, clearly, the trailer was cut from an uh, in an incomplete effect shot uh, because it looks a lot better. It's still not great, but serviceable. A lot better. Did, didn't make me go eh. Uh, Cafe Fox says liking One Piece on Netflix so far. Never really watched the anime. I watched a little bit of the anime and wasn't really feeling it, which is good because there's like 500 episodes. So. Uh, it's I'll I'll be I'll I'll be honest. Uh, I I get squeamish if something has too many episodes. I uh, for a debut review a couple of years ago, I I, I watched uh, the first episode of um, her name's Usagi, not Usagi Ujimbo, different Usagi. Shoot. How, it's like one of the most, it's it's like the quintessential anime, how am I not thinking of the, it's got a, it's got a cat with a, Sailor Moon, good god, <laughs> Sailor Moon, um, I watched the first episode of Sailor Moon, and I thought it was utterly delightful, and I was like, this is great, oh no, there's like 190 episodes, <laughs> I don't want. I don't have. I don't have enough life left to watch all of this. No. Why does it have to be actually good? Uh, thank you, Lindy. Uh, it's like if I couldn't remember Star Wars. It's it's got like lightsabers and stuff and Jedi. What's the what's the what's the movie? Sailor Moon. Cafe Foxes. I think there's over a thousand episodes now. Not of Sailor. Oh, of uh, One Piece. Yeah, that's, uh, I think the, uh, the last time I looked, this was years ago, I, I think the, at least one of the, it, the anime with the most episodes was, was it Detective Conan? Something like 900 episodes or something like that. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Lindy says 200 for Sailor Moon. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, I also watched... Uh, I did a Dave B. review to it. I watched uh, the Sailor Moon Crystal, and which seems to be um, just a modern-day remake of Sailor Moon. And it was... I like the original better, but I, I kind of... I found some of the changes really interesting. So the, anyway, those debut reviews, you can find them on my channel if you're uh, curious. Uh, what I want to talk about was the shark thing, the, the black demon. So it's, so it's an interesting film. It's a message movie. Essentially, uh, what the point of the film is not big shark carnage. Uh, the point of the film is uh, human hubris and nature literally biting us in the ass because we're not good stewards of our planet, right? We're, 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 we're doing bad, we're poisoning the air and the ocean, so nature gets pissed and comes and takes a chunk out of our heinies. Um, and which, perfectly fine, movie does get a little heavy, actually gets a lot heavy-handed with the messaging, but I kind of respect the movie for... Not a lot of people die in the film. I mean, it's a giant shark movie. You expect a bunch of people to get munched in in increasingly gruesome ways. But, uh, no. Uh, the shark jumping out of the water, biting the boat in half, that's one of two major deaths in the film. Uh, there's more than two. But uh, that's the two crowd... That's one of two crowd-pleaser deaths in the film. It's not what the movie's about. So, what I find interesting is um, there's the American dude who's on the oil rig. Now, he's the guy who works for the American Oil Company. And he's the guy who's been signing off on the safety inspections over the years, even though there were problems with the oil rig. Now, he kind of had to, or he was going to lose his job, but, I mean, probably could have got another job, and... So all of this is his fault, right? And there's another guy who's like, you know what? This uh, ancient Aztec god is really pissed at us and sent a shark to bite us in the bums uh, to, to teach us to mind our manners when we're drilling for oil in the ocean. Now what I found interesting and then mind-numbingly frustrating and aggravating as I watch the film is these two characters argue with each other as to whether the events that befall them are supernatural in origin or not. And I want to be clear, at this point in the movie where they are at each other's throats as to whether um, the origins are supernatural or not, there is absolutely no doubt they're being menaced by a giant shark. So I'm sitting there watching the movie going, guys, guys, bros, it doesn't matter. Why does it... Whether the shark was sent here by an angry Aztec god or is just a giant shark who happens to be in the area and is very pissy, either way, you're dealing with a 70-foot shark that wants a bite out of your butt. Focus. Priorities, people. 
It's like, it's not an Aztec godsend, it's just a natural shark. No, it's not a natural shark, it's an unnatural shark sent by the, the Aztec god whose name I can't remember or pronounce even if I did remember it. It's like, who cares? We both agree there's a giant shark trying to eat us. What does it matter if it's supernatural or not? How does that change anything? I mean, it's, it's not like, well, if it's natural, we can do this, but if it's supernatural, we can do this. We need to identify the clear origins of the giant shark to know what the best plan to go with is. No. It's just a giant shark. does not matter whether it was sent by Angry Aztec God or not. It's a giant... Sh uh, I, I just, I'm like, I just don't buy that anyone would find that w would be arguing about this specific point. Now, if the movie were presented such that we hadn't seen a shark yet, that no one knew it was a shark, no one in the film, we've seen the poster, we saw the trailer, we know it's a shark, but the characters in the movie, all they know is the oil rig we're on is sinking into the sea. Something, it, it's, it's like shaking back and forth and pieces are falling apart. What's going on? Ah, uh, there's probably a natural explanation for it, like a sinkhole or one of the struts is broken or a really big fish like a like a like a blue whale is trying to mate with one of the support struts and the other guy's like no it's our hubris and our failure to take care of the planet that we call home and this angry aztec god is angry and has sent a giant shark to to hump one of the uh the support struts no it's not an as it's a natural thing it's totally fine we can just go in the water and fix it no we don't want to go in the water that would make sense but no they know it's a giant shark they shot jump out of the water and eat a boat there's no argument here it's a giant shark the only argument as to whether angry aztec god sent it or not and it is so weird because they won't let it Go. It's like really important to these dudes. And it's like, oh my god, guys, it doesn't matter. Makes absolutely no difference. Just go, yeah, okay. I mean, needle each other all you want, but uh, you're going to be chumming about two hours, so maybe maybe focus on the, the actual problem here, you dorks. Movie's okay. Uh, do I recommend you go see it? Nah. But if you like shark movies, sure. It's fine. The filmmaking's fine. It does a lot of things well. The, the There's not a lot of shark action in it, but what shark action is in there is actually conceived and staged and shot well, even artistically. Um... You know, it's 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 not a bad little film. It's clearly a film that uh, was cheap, but that meant that they didn't have studio interference because if uh, you know a major studio was putting money into this sucker, they would have said uh, more people need to be eaten by the shark and need to be eaten in fantastically gory ways because that's what the audience wants to see. Uh, recycle is good, but y y yeah, it's a big shark movie. Give the people what they want. Or I won't give you lots of money. Uh, so, uh, The Black Demon. It's, it's, it has one of the most embarrassingly bad film posters I have ever seen. Seriously, go on IMDb and, and look at this film's poster. It's, it's pretty much what you would expect, right? 
Uh, there's the oil rig in the background. And there's a gigantic shark about to swallow some dude in the water going, I'm about to get swallowed by a shark. Ah! Where it gets weird is the family, the, the, the dude, uh, the, the American oil exec dude is there with his, uh, with his wife and two kids. They're in the background just kind of standing, just photoshopped onto the oil rig, just kind of watching this dude be menaced by a giant, is, the, is a really odd concept for a poster. I, I think this was probably just the only production photo that, it's like, oh, you gotta have the family in there. Do we have money for an artist? No. I'll just have to use some production stills then. Yeah. Oh, crap. This is all I've got. Well, Photoshop that in there. Boy, that looks stupid. <laughs> Looks like this family really uninvested and bored watching this guy being swallowed by a shark that's actually a lot larger on the poster. It's Yeah, that's something that bothers me about monster movie posters. And even some of my favorite films have this problem. I like the Tremors poster. If you're doing a giant monster movie, you don't need to make the giant monster even gianter on the poster. Just, 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 just its actual size is fine. You know? It's like, oh, it's a 70 foot shark, but on the poster, it's 140 feet. It's like, stop it. You bug me when you do that. Um... <clears throat> Oh, is that what was going on? Uh, Lindy clarifies that Crystal was not as such a remake of the original uh, show, but a more faithful adaptation of the source manga. Ah, okay. Uh, makes sense. Chicago says, I've met people who probably would be arguing that they're right even in the face of death. All that matters to them is that they're right. <laughs> Shark swallows him whole and you can still hear him. I'm totally right! People are the worst. I mean, there's a cool, there's a few cool ones and I'm, 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 I'm blessed with the, uh, you know, my small audience is made up of super cool people. I mean, I'm, I'm still able to uh, exist on Twitter in my own little, little space without horrible people bothering me or anyone who interacts with me so that's nice don't know how long that's gonna last but uh currently trying out uh threads um i mean it's fine it's 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 certainly a usable alternative and uh the guy who runs it is a meets the low bar of being a better person than the absolute horrible shit stain of a human being who runs Twitter. Kind of sucks, right? That it's like, all right, let me let me get all of the viable social media platforms. Everyone you know, everyone who runs each of these is just an absolute awful human being and the the best we can do is like, all right, well, who sucks the least? And when you're looking at that group of people and you're looking at Zuckerberg and going, oh God, he's actually, he actually sucks the least, Mark Zuckerberg, and he really sucks. Just an absolute nightmare of a human being, but somehow leagues better than all the rest of them. <sighs> so, you know, hopefully, I, I certainly hope you all have my luck when it comes to 
existing on Twitter. Because that probably ain't holding out much longer. It's X now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, X. Although I, I, I see a lot of people spelling it uh, a Twitter just with an X instead of a T, so X-I-T-T-E-R. And I keep giving it, like, I keep giving... It's probably the intention, but I, I give it kind of a Chinese pronunciation. I keep looking at it, I see shitter. <laughs> so, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's about right. So, um, one thing I forgot to mention last week when I was talking about Corridor Crew and their um, tech-brotastic uh, rock-paper-scissors anime is uh, I forgot to mention something that I observed that I wasn't expecting, but I guess I wasn't terribly surprised about. Um, I looked at the YouTube comments. You should never do that. Uh, look at mine. Mine are great, but uh, very rare that I have to give someone the boot. Um, so that that's nice. I've been very fortunate in that regard. But, um, as I, I talked about, and if you've seen it, you know, the, um, all of the AI-managed rotoscoping of the, uh, short, of the cartoon that they made is terrible. I mean, aesthetically. I mean, I mean from a, you know, new tech process standpoint, it's kind of neat. Uh, it's definitely not there yet, though. I mean, just as it just objectively, even well, I'm sorry, subjectively evaluating it as a piece of art, it's garbage. It really looks awful. It it is genuinely bad. Um. So I was surprised, or rather, did not expect to be completely unable to find a single comment that said anything along those lines all of them were just fawning praise which i found super oh my god this is the most amazing thing i have ever seen it's so gorgeous i'm like do, do, do you think corridor crew is going to like give you money or something what are you doing i mean i'm not asking people to be mean about it but uh, I, I didn't, I couldn't even find anything that's like, ah, it's not quite there yet, but it's a cool idea and it's an interesting new implementation of technology. And, uh, you know, if used properly, it, it could be a, a useful and important tool in the artist's toolbox. You know, nothing even along those lines. I genuinely could not, I went through about 200 comments and literally could not find anything even mildly critical, which I was not expecting especially for a piece of art that looks bad I, I mean it's you know I take back what I said it's objectively bad like the character's eyes are usually crossed or just not looking in the right direction sometimes they have two rows of teeth like they're damn sharks their fingers are bent weird directions. Their hands are on backwards. Uh, it, it's it's it is objectively bad. It's not there yet. I'm not saying it never will be. I'm not saying there's there's no place for this particular tool. But 
I don't get the fawning. I mean, I'm glad people aren't being mean. No, no need to, like, you scum-sucking suckers of scum! You, you destroyed my childhood and ran over my dog and, and I don't like your mom! Yeah, no need for any of that. I'm not calling for that. You shall be doxed and swatted! No, no, but, but I was... Honestly, kind of disheartened that I that like no one was like ah you know the concept is funny and I I think you guys are um, pioneering an interesting new workflow that could be useful to animators to automate a very tedious process rotoscoping, um, but it's not there yet. We see that we see and we admire the glimmer of what could be. But it's not there yet. No, nothing, nothing even mildly critical. People are the worst. <laughs> so no doubt you've um, read in the news that um, many companies, Warner Brothers, Disney, and others, are taking completed projects and throwing them in the trash uh, for a tax write-off. Uh, this happened with uh, the Batgirl movie. This happened with a Scooby cartoon. Uh, this happened with... Uh, well, I was going to say the, that Crater movie, but that actually did air for uh, several weeks, you know, six, seven weeks before it was pulled, and uh, now it's gone maybe forever. Uh, but there was another series just recently, I don't remember which one it was. Uh, Spiderwick Chronicles or something like that. Uh, it looks like it's an adaptation of a YA novel series or something. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a completed project and it's getting apparently getting dumped for a tax write-off. And I'll admit, some of this is selfish. I wanted to see Batgirl because I'm a big superhero dork and I want to see my superhero movies. So there's, there's an element of selfishness here, too. But uh, in addition to myself and presumably many others who want to see these things, I imagine all of the people who worked on it feel really bad that they worked really hard on this project, whether they were uh, in front of the camera or behind the camera or the writers or craft services or, or whatever. Uh, you know, they spent time, maybe a year, maybe more uh, on this project, and to have the powers that be just throw it in the trash for a tax write-off, which also, of course, means they get no residuals, which they probably weren't going to get much of anyway. I mean, they don't even get their 15 cents worth of residuals. They get nothing now. Um, and it's especially tragic, I think, for this uh, this one that Disney just binned uh, a week or so ago. Uh, because the main cast are, are kids, right? Imagine being a young kid, like a, you know, a teenager or something, and you, and you get cast in a big Disney fantasy series. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I'm, I'm a lead or co-lead of a fantasy novel series that I, you know, checked out from the library and I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a Disney series. Oh my God, this is so cool. And you, you, you get a, 
you work around your schooling and you, you do this whole, you work within all, all of the child labor laws to work on this project and you tell all your friends and your family about it and you're so excited about it and they just throw it in the trash which they have every legal right to do to be clear but it still sucks man that's gotta sting and why do they throw it in the trash for a tax write-off you see when i i don't know even if you were, this is my very lay understanding of it, right? We get taxed on our income. So if you make, just to make a, a, a nice round number, you know, $50,000 a year, if you're fortunate enough to make even that much, um, you are <clears throat> you are taxed on a certain amount of, of that income. That puts you in the tax bracket. Now you can take a standard deduction, which I think is like, $12,500 or something like that. So what that does is it, is it from the government's perspective, they essentially say, okay, you didn't make 50, you, you made, you know, 4750. And that might put you in a slightly lower tax bracket, which means you're not paying as high a percentage, right? And it, but if you run a business or you're a big corporation or something you might have some other things that you can you may not take the standard deduction you may actually write a bunch of stuff off as a business expense and that could be greater than the standard deduction and that can lower your perceived income and put you in an even lower tax bracket so that's in the most simple terms is essentially what these big corporations are doing they're somehow finding it more profitable to write the film off. And there's probably a rule that governs this. Like, you can't... Like, you can qualify something like a failed project that doesn't release as a business expense that you can write off. But if you actually release it as a product that generates revenue, that has to count towards your income. I, I guess. I actually don't know. Um... But that's that's why they throw these project projects away is because they can write that cost off of their taxes and pay less than the very little they're already paying now. So my thoughts are we should change the tax law so that they can't do that. Or at the very least, uh, it's not profitable, more profitable for them to do that. Right? You make a movie, no, you don't get to write that off. Try selling the damn thing. Because I want to see it. Actually, I have literally no interest in the Spiderwick Chronicles or whatever it was, but, uh, you know, I know other people do. And it's, it's, ugh, it's just gross, man. Yeah, because part of it is, uh, you know, part of it is, you know, writing off, uh, you know, lowering their taxes, which they're not paying enough anyway. But another part of it is uh, we can uh, make this movie and then throw it in the trash, write it off our taxes, and then we don't have to keep paying people for it. Because you don't get any residuals if the damn thing don't play. So... Big old bummer.
I like entertainment, but the entertainment industry is just kind of crappy. Like, even... <sighs> like, David Zaslav over at um, Warner Brothers. Just an absolute scumsickle of a human being. Just terrible, hor horrible person. Um, but then you look at other people like Bob Iger, who presents himself as one of the good ones. No, he sucks too. He really does. Is he better than Bob Chapek? Yes. Is he better than David Zaslav and some others? Yeah. Is he a good person? No. No, he's, he's really not. He's one of the... It's, it's like he's still one of the better ones, but he also still sucks. Ugh. It's like, um... All of these people would... They are so opposed to... It... It stuns me. That people like uh, Zaslav and Iger and CEOs in, in, broadly in general, uh, judging by their actions and public statements, seem to think that... Oddly have no regard for the people who actually make the products that they sell that make them wealthy. You know, Zaslav and Iger and all the rest... They're not filmmakers. They don't make movies or music or video games or television shows or write books or anything. They're not creative. You know, they use algorithms to follow trends to make decisions about what to produce and what to and how much money to throw at. You know what? AI could probably replace the fucking CEOs. <laughs> you know, I don't think it can replace, it definitely at this point cannot replace creatives, not writers, not directors, not artists, not actors, it can't. And if you try, it's going to suck. We know because we've seen a few people try already. But I think an AI could do a pretty good job just being a CEO. Because that's just a numbers game. That doesn't take any damn creativity. No creativity required. But yeah, interestingly, they have no regard for the people who actually make the products that they sell that make them rich. And I, th they appear, don't know this for sure, but some of them appear, to, to, to my eyes anyway, to um, resent uh, the creatives from, for asking to be fairly compensated for their work. As if, you know, Zaslav and Iger, the Zaslav and Igers of the world are the, themselves the creatives. And I wonder if they see themselves that way. I made these movies, you just keep asking me for money. No, it's all me. It's like, no, you you don't do anything. Chicago says, greedy people. This is one of the reasons the strikes are still going on after weeks. People are the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been actually a few months now. It's, it's been like 120, 30 days or something like that. Yeah. Um, what's genuinely stunning is if you add up what the, um, what, what SAG-AFTRA and the... Uh, Writers Guild are asking for, you know, and how much money it would cost to meet all of their demands. 
for all of the big studios, the Warner Brothers and the Disneys and such, it ends up being a fraction of a single percent of their annual revenues. Like, Zaslav himself could pay for all of it and still be a multi-multi-millionaire. Same thing with Iger. Just, just pay the people that make the shit that make you rich, you selfish, greedy jackasses. But no, and they've gone on record that they're just, they understand, they're not stupid, they're just immoral. They understand that they're losing money and everyone hates them, which is why they try and turn that around. And it's like, oh, oh, you're not getting your entertainment because these mean, selfish, greedy strikers won't go to work. There's nothing we could do. We're the victims here, you and I. And sadly, some people fall for that shit. But no, it's the, it's the execs just not wanting to pay people living wages for anything. Aggravating as hell. But um, seems to have the right momentum behind it. So... Don't know how long it's going to take, but it's eventually, I, I think and very much hope that it's, it's, it's going to go the, uh, the striker's way, as well it should. And it's like, oh, but, but if David Zaslav and Bob Iger had to meet all those greedy writers and actors' demands, he'd have slightly less millions every single year. Instead of ha going home with $50 million every single year, he'd only be going home with $42 million. Can you imagine? Those poor rich people. Who's gonna... Th won't somebody think of the wealthy? I mean, yeah, I'm bummed out that, uh, you know, the, the Agatha Coven of... Ca what did they change the name? Uh, the Darkhold Chronicles or Darkhold Diaries or something like that? Whatever they changed the name. You know, Agatha is, got delayed and Ironheart got delayed, maybe canceled. I think Echo got delayed. Uh, all stuff I want to see. And yeah, I'm uh, the Daredevil show got delayed. Uh, the the new X Men cartoon got delayed. Yeah, I'm bummed out that uh, the the I think the Marvels movie got pushed back. A couple other stuff got pushed back. They're still not making Blade, <laughs> you know. And yeah, that does bum me out. And I do want to see these projects, but I try to focus my ire in the right place, and that's squarely on the greedy ass execs who are just staunchly opposed to. Paying the people who make the stuff that generates them their millions. It, it just stuns me that it's like, ah, oh, I, I can't, I won't stand for, they act like you want me to live in a cardboard box. You're still going to be a millionaire, you greedy jerk wad putz monkey. Putz monkey! So let's talk about something a little bit uh, lighter and more fun. Uh, Atari uh, looked at the, uh, apparent, apparently, 
uh, looked at the uh, NES Mini and the Super NES Mini, and I think Sega did a uh, Mini Genesis or something, and said, uh, you know, we can do one better. And uh, they're coming out with an Atari 2600 Plus, which... I, you, if you recall, I wasn't, re I didn't really care much about the NES Mini or the SNES Minis. Uh, the problem I had with those is they were preloaded with a selection of games. I think the NES Mini had 30 games on it, and the SNES one had like 20. Um, and that's all you get. You can't use any of your old cartridges or hardware on it. You can't... It, it's nice to be able to play some of these classic games on your modern television set because, let's face it, uh, some of the older consoles, very difficult to hook up to modern TVs these days. Um, but the Atari 2600 Plus uh, comes with uh, a cartridge preloaded with 10 games, I think, which par for the course. But what makes this console different is any Atari games that you happen to own, with a few exceptions, there's a couple that just aren't going to work. But broadly speaking, if you have any Atari cartridges, they will. you just plug them in, they will work. Oh. So, it's essentially, um... Hang on. Unplug. Uh, this is a 7800, not a 2600, but, you know, gets the point across. Um, you're essentially getting one of these with an HDMI out. It, it, you can actually hook it up to a modern television. That's, that's a pretty good deal, because I had to work really hard to devise a solution to actually get this to hook up to my television, and it required solder. <laughs> because the original out for this was one of those little pronged thingies that you screwed into the back of a television set, the little uh, RF thing. Yeah. Th that's not how it works today. <laughs> There's no HDMI out for this. Um, so, um... So it's nice to have a new uh, a new console that's basically one of these um, that you can just hook up to a modern TV. So not only do your does the twenty six hundred plus play uh, twenty six hundred games, it also plays uh, seventy eight hundred games, um, and it uh, where are the hookups these nine pin things here. Uh, if you have your own paddle controllers or stick controllers or... I don't know if the, uh... Oh, what's that one game? It's, it's that numerical keypad one with the little, uh... Uh... Cards you could put in the front of it for different games. Uh... Star Commanders, something. I'd, I have it. I'd, I'd have to go look. Don't know if that one would work, but, uh... So basically, I could buy one of those things and just be an easy way to play my existing library of 2600 and 7800 games. Plus, as long as they still physically work, you know, I have a bunch of paddle controllers and stuff, so I wouldn't need to buy a bunch of others. I think that's pretty great. Uh, it's a little pricey at like $120, $130 or something, but uh, I'm also kind of weirded out that they're using the 2600 form factor, because the 7800 is actually backwards compatible with the uh, 2600 games, not the 5200 games, unfortunately. That was a completely different hardware set, but... Um, 
the uh, maybe I, I guess just that classic wood panel uh, twenty six hundred casing is just the more iconic look than the uh, later seventy eight hundred. I, I, I guess that's why they went that way, but uh, I think it's pretty neat. Uh, I I I would have been happier with a uh, NES or SNES that was a functioning NES or SNES that just had an HDMI out that could plug into a modern television. I'm not limited to what's preloaded on the console. I'm old. I have a bunch of the old games. So, yeah. I can play Pong in 4K, says Chicago. That's right. Uh, RF to coaxial. I think that's what I might have done, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's what I might have done, yeah. Um... Chaos, hey Chaos says totally buying the new 2600. Uh, Fox, Cafe Fox says definitely rejuvenates the used 2600 game market. New interest, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think any of the it would all be. I mean, unless the publishers want to reissue stuff, I, I have no. I I'd have to go into into my bedroom and into my closet to you know get some of the cartridges out, but. Uh, um, I have no idea what it would cost to manufacture the actual carts today, but um, so the so the uh, the publishers, the ones that still exist, uh, probably and some of the rights to to a few of these are are probably up in the air, but it's like, you know, if you own the Indiana Jones for twenty six hundred, it's yours, man. Plug it on in and play it. They're probably not going to sell it today. I don't remember if it was LJN or whoever the hell made that one way back in the day, but uh, I actually don't have that one. Uh, but I do have the the notoriously shitty Pac-Man board. <laughs> oh, it it is delightfully awful. Uh, I also have the the seventy eight hundred one, which is a much much more arcade accurate uh, port of Pac-Man. Um, So, let's see, uh, Fox, Cafe Fox says, there have been some reissues of older games, also newer homebrews. <laughs> Chaos says, I hated that game. Whoa, the, uh, the, the Indiana Jones one? Oh, it's terrible. It is absolutely ghastly. It's, it, it's not good. It is the opposite of good. You know what one of my favorite games, uh, one of my favorite, uh, 2600 games, I think it's called, like, Barnstormer or Barnyard Stormer or Barnyard Storm, something like that. A very simple game, but uh, you're in a plane and you have to fly over windmills and then through barns. That's like it. But I just, the memory of playing that with my family and just dying laughing as we'd slam into the side of the goddamn barns. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I'll, I'll change it. Favorite, um, favorite 2600, Circus Atari. It's one of the paddle controller games. Um, imagine Breakout, right? You have colored blocks at the top of the screen, you have a paddle at the bottom, and you have a ball that you bounce up and down that pops the, uh, the, the blocks at the top. Okay, same idea. Except the it's balloons, and they actually scroll left. The different lines of balloons scroll left and scroll left and right. And instead of a ball, you are two clowns on a seesaw, 
So one clown drops on one end of the seesaw and the other clown goes up high and pops balloons and comes back down and you have to catch them on the edge of the seesaw to fling the other clown up into the air to hit the balloons. And you have to try and get them way out on the edge to get more power going so that the clown gets up high enough to hit the balloons. And if you miss the clowns, they, they splat right on their face and their little legs kick. Oh my god, we had so much fun with that game and just laughed ourselves silly. Uh, for 7800 I'd say it's a tie between Food Fight, which um, is just a genuinely fun game. You, you play... A, you need to run from one side of the screen to the other to eat the ice cream cone before it melts. Uh, on the way, you can pick up little piles of food and throw them at the chefs who are trying to kill you for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's their ice cream. Um, and uh, the different piles of food end up being different kind of types of weapon. Like the bananas end up kind of being very machine gunish, And the, the peas are kind of short-range shotgun blasty kind of things. Really great game. The other one that I, I have very, very fond memories of is... Um, I can remember the theme. Oh, Jesus. The um... Desert Falcon. Desert Falcon. That's that's what it is. You play it's a you play a little bird and you just fly to the end of the stage, dodging obstacles, and at the end of each stage you shoot a sphinx in the face. Um what I remember mostly Okay, I, I actually have to show this off. Talk amongst yourselves, only take me a minute. Hang on. This is important. Okay. Okay. This is going to be good. You're going to like this. This is very cool. I'm very cool and you're going to think I'm even cooler. Oh yeah. You think I don't have the original ET? Yeah, here's the instruction booklet. where I have a lot of my cables and power strips and the electronic components, some of my soldering stuff. There we go. Now, um, Desert Falcon, there are runes or hieroglyphics, little symbols that you can pick up. And you pick up three of them and depending on which ones you picked up, you get a power-up. You either get points or a smart bomb or um, extra lives, something. And my family and I took the time <laughs> to figure out every single combination in the entire game and, uh, and what they... Um, and and what um, what what powers they give you? So uh, points kill the ooze, little burrowing things, uh, invincibility, 
uh, freezing the Sphinx, slow down, quick shots, um, invincibility. I already said. Oh, there's a roulette one. Yeah. So look at look how yellowed these pages are now. Good God, it's kind of amazing. These are still in pretty good condition. Um, you know, e, uh, Chicago says ET was so bad. I actually played that garbage. So did I. You know what? There are many, many games on the Atari 2600 that are much worse than E.T. E.T., it's not a good game. It's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's broken in some places, especially if you're standing on the edge of a damn pit. You know, and you've got to extend your neck to float out of the damn canyon and you end up falling right back in. That's super annoying, but you know what? It, it's fine. The game's okay. Uh, let's see, anything else interesting that I don't have to dig for? Eh. Here's the instruction booklet for asteroids. Let's, let me, let's see what we got here. Here's all the uh, manuals and stuff. Let's see what we got. Now here's the uh, pitfall. Uh, which, uh, which was kind of, uh, you know, done as uh, Pitfall Harry's Diary, which was kind of cool. Um, that's not that interesting. Oh, hey, let's speak of the devil. Here's Desert Falcon. Here's the instruction manual for that. Uh, speaking of another devil, there's Circus Atari. Uh, does it have any screenshots in here? Let's see. Yeah, you can kind of see it there. That that's what the game looks like. You're the the little clowns on the seesaw, and you fling the little guys up into the air. Uh, is there a shot of them hitting the ground? No, sadly. Uh, let's see what else do we got here. Yeah, here's there's Mario Brothers. That's a seventy-eight hundred. Oh, food fight. Boy, these, these things are losing their color now. I mean, they're... Oh, however this is pronounced, Xevious. This is kind of a fun uh, fun shooter game. Let's see. This is actually the manual for the 2600 itself. Pole position. Oh, we were just talking about this. <laughs> the 2600 Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Yeah, it's really bad. I, you know, the, the, the Indiana Jones game, worse than, um, worse than, uh, um, um, E.T. Another one that's a pretty good concept but doesn't play very well is Empire Strikes Back. This plays very similar to Defender, but it, it just doesn't work very well. Uh, here's the 2600 Pac-Man, which is... Oh my god, it's so terrible. Do they have any screenshots in here? Let's see. Uh, yeah, you, you can you can kind of see them a little bit. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's not very good. I, I think the, the most egregiously awful thing about this port of Pac-Man is the sound effects. <laughs> the bonk, bonk, bonk. It's just so terrible. Um... 
Oh yeah, code breaker. That that one uses the uses the little numeric pad. Uh, here's here's the ET instructions. Pole position. Oh yeah, Miss Pac-Man actually turned out a lot better than regular Pac-Man. That's football. No one cares. Cubert. Oh, Cubert's always fun. Don't even remember that one. Backgammon. Who cares? Zaxxon, yeah. Missile Command, classic. Breakout, classic. Video Olympics, yeah. What's this one? Oh, yeah, Dig Dug. So, so anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I still have this crap. Now I have to put all this away again. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cafe Fox says, look up Strawberry Shortcake musical matchups. That is the worst Atari 2600 game I've ever seen. Huh. Short Strawberry Shortcake musical matchups. I don't think I've heard of that. Uh, Chicago says, I remember this little game you controlled a little bear and rode up and down elevators to get away from enemies. I think it was called Crystal Castles. Oh, the, name's, the name rings a bell. Yeah. Um, Chicago says, I think Jack Black did a commercial for Pitfall Harry. Uh, Cafe Fox is really just a matching game that changes the music you hear. You're basically done with it after three minutes. Yeah, uh, I actually did a video years ago um, where I highlighted some um, some of the uh, Atari games. Uh, what did it, what was it called? The the premise of the video is I think I'm. I turned 35 or something like that, and I'm getting old, and I'm trying to reconnect with my youth, and so I uh, um, uh, plug in the Atari and play games. I, I, uh, what is what is the name of that? Oh, Andrew Eisen's Midlife Crisis Celebration Spectacular, uh, published on my birthday in 2013, so 10 years ago. Good gravy. All right, so there you go. Have, have fun. All right, uh, I think that's that's it. Yeah, is it eight? Yeah, it's eight. All right, so, so that's, that's good for tonight. Now I have to... Uh, dig through the box and get all nostalgic or, you know, go put it back in the closet. So, um, tomorrow, uh, we're going to be playing more, um, I know it's the first, uh, first Sunday of the month, but, uh, missed a couple weeks in August, so we're going to return back to, um, uh, Trails from Zero and, uh, fight the, uh, big pharma Satanists. <laughs> so, so that'll be fun. Uh, I also, um, when we left, uh, my characters were like 20 ex EXP away from level 34, so I went ahead and leveled them all up, so everyone's level 34 now, so. Um, and uh, I think Tio got a new uh, S-Craft, so we'll have to uh, look at that. Uh, but uh, that'll be tomorrow, noon Pacific Standard Time, so... Oh, yeah, also... Um, uh, extra life 
uh, charity marathon is in November. So still two months yet. Uh, but um, in the early planning stages, uh, my sister will be here. I talked to Dave yesterday, Super Metal Dave. He's uh, has tentative plans to uh, join in the show. Uh, it's again, it's two months away, so anything could happen. But uh, so far, he's in. Uh, still working on uh, what what games to play, what uh, what incentives and stuff to do. So uh, if you have any questions or uh, suggestions or anything like that, feel free to uh, hit me up on Twitter, or DM me, or something like that. That's totally fine. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm trying to get as much of a backlog of the gem reviews as I can, so that uh, when my focus turns to extra life, I don't have to like skip a week. So. Uh, so some fun stuff upcoming. Uh, and that's it for tonight, so thanks for hanging out with me, and hope to see you tomorrow for a Sunday stream. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.